Welcome to episode 10 of the Bitter Gallery podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Jules Michael. Jules is a Carlo-based artist that I've been friends with since the Masters in NCAD. And we chat a bit about the Masters and about the work she was making at the time. And we also chat about what she's working on now and what she's worked on since, including a couple of residencies, one of which was in Berlin. Um, yeah, we chat about a few different bits and pieces, so I hope you enjoy the podcast and I'll be back at the end. Yeah, it's it's going there now, Jules. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so welcome to the podcast, Jules, and thanks a million for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, just to start off, if you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background and how you got started working in art. Thanks. Um, hi, Pat. Uh, yeah, great to chat and thanks very much for having me along. Um, I How did I get into art? Just from school, that sort of way went on into the NCAD back in the mid 80s and did foundation year and then kind of stepped out and went on and did other bits and pieces for many years. And then um, this was in Dublin and then around kind of the late 90s, left Dublin and came to Carlo and uh, there were kind of family commitments but all the time I was tipping away and making my own work and doing little bits of um, kind of just teaching locally and that kind of thing and then um, I got the opportunity to go back into uh, Wexford College of Art and Design um, I think it was 2013 and um, I did my undergrad basically and uh, that was a fantastic opportunity and uh, it wouldn't have been possible really if I'd had to go up and down to Dublin but I could get up and down to Wexford and uh, it was a great college and and a great undergrad and then um, I left that and um, did a year, did a postgrad cert in um, arts and healthcare settings because I'd always worked in daycare centres, doing a little bit of arts facilitation and kind of that kind of community work. So it it put a frame on all of that for me. And then I went from there into the Masters in, I think it was 2014. I could be a year out there now. Um, In the NCAD and uh, it was just to focus purely on painting. Even though I'd always worked in socially engaged settings, I, I really wanted to just focus on painting for the two years so that was my background really in the art world yeah no uh, like even just from like listening to yourself and Stephen Morris like just chatting about like the college down in Wexford it seemed like really good place to study yeah I think so I mean it it's um it it was very small um uh very uh you know, very small, maybe because it was on the periphery and it was kind of down on the the, the kind of the edge of, of the island. Wexford is its own particular little kind of corner and um, uh, the tutors would be kind of drawn from the southeast and uh, they're just a very dynamic, connected bunch of people and, and a really nice kind of cross-section of, of disciplines so, you know, we we had some great painting and some great video work and photography, you know, um, so uh, very strong community engagement strand, actually, because uh, Brian Hand was my tutor on that. And, and that really kind of brought into focus maybe the work that I've been doing before I went to college. And it really kind of helped me on my pathway 
for that side of my practice. So so I think it was a really good kind of connected, lived undergrad experience. Yeah. 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 And then um, just when we started the master's in NCAD, Jules, were you uh, just, were you painting realism? Um, yeah, no, I had come out of the undergrad. I'd always had a really strong interest in, um, I'd always used camera and I've always been interested in place and kind of specific strands in architecture. And um, I suppose that, so when I started my master's, I was painting in a fairly kind of photorealism, but that sort of, those sort of links were there. But I also kind of had a sense going into the Masters that that was shifting or that I, I was looking to shift that. So so I started the Masters, I suppose, with that very kind of close relationship between the camera and the painted image. And uh, the Masters was was a way of kind of excavating that and opening it outwards as it went on. Yeah. No, because it's just, I kind of just, I seem to remember you painting this like really brilliant little nocturnal scene like it was a small scale paint in a like early in the master's book i was like do you know when it's so long ago like i couldn't remember maybe yeah. um, if i was remembering it wrong or not but uh um was that a little one it was dark and it had kind of a, a little pole and a bit of a ledge and a kind of a hook yeah i think so yeah yeah no i i, I think that was because there's something when i go to make work about control and letting go and if you're looking at an image on your phone and you just kind of make some marks quite fast on a canvas, I think that was where a lot of that work was coming from. Yeah. 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 And like your work changed a lot like then by the end of the master. Like what, what themes were in your work, Jules? Because I know architecture, yeah. that played a big part, didn't it, in say what yeah. you were working on for yeah. the end of the year? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when I was doing the Masters in Dublin, I, I actually kind of lived in Dublin during the week and I was getting the dart in and walking and that kind of thing. And um, I've always, uh, my external surroundings have always kind of fed directly into my work. So I was just, I suppose, because I was in a city streetscape and I was taking, you know, my work got very angular and pared down and... Um, you know, very strong abstract forms started to appear. And I think that came out of looking at all the angles and the shadows and that kind of urban environment and um, also the kind of compression that I can sometimes kind of, that's a feeling that I would have in the cityscape. Um, and, and then I suppose because I was kind of slightly dissecting what I was painting and why I was painting and how I was going from kind of the materiality of the paint and and very kind of uncontrolled underpainting and then a more these kind of uh fairly angular abstract forms were some way of kind of balancing that out so it was the those two elements came into play really towards the end of the masters yeah like i was just i've been i was looking back at some of your work there as well just during the week online and like it was mad because, like you said yourself, you had kind of really rigid angles and kind of very hard edges to some of the forms. But like, it was funny. Like, it was, it was also kind of a sort of strange sense of motion in the paintings or something. Like, you could almost imagine like these giant mechanical parts sort of <laughs> moving into place or something. Like, you know, they were very, and even the scale of them, like as well, they were huge. Like, I remember when 
say the first time we saw him outside the studio space and we're in Frawley's when we were setting up around your show, like and it was just like, geez, these are they're amazing, like you know, the kind of surrounded you as a viewer, like. Well, I suppose that's that you know that body reaction that we have to paint that we do, you know, that's that kind of non-verbal thing, and I suppose um, working big was part of the shapes I seemed to be seeing and that I was gathering as such from the environment were big shapes. And then it's so that that somehow seemed to play out in the scale of the work, you know, that, that that's why they got so big. Um, but they didn't get huge, huge. They got as big as the width of what my arms could pick up in the studio and the height kind of in related to, in relation to that. But it, it does come from, I suppose that kind of non-verbal place that we're in when we're making work and our kind of internal private relationship with paint as we make. And, and that's why the scale seemed to get as big as it did too, because that seemed to be part of it. Yeah. And uh, like it was a great sense of depth to the work as well. Just like, like you were saying about like kind of the, the underlayers, like, and just the colors used as well. I suppose, like, it was like I think a lot of them had kind of a sort of a really, really deep red, hadn't they, underneath, kind of, and sort of it was yellows, and then you had kind of the lighter, kind of coal steel gray, yeah. kind of almost over, like it was. Yeah, yeah. I think again that that's that kind of just play. You know, I was using spray paint a lot, um, and that was again some kind of reaction to, I suppose, the synthetic colors that you'll get in the city at certain times of the day. And then, then this kind of, I, I suppose I was going for the cooler greys because that just seemed to be part of my kind of internal rebalancing, you know. Um, and maybe that's why there was a certain amount of movement in the work because um, I've always been interested, for example, in you know, Japanese images and scrolls that kind of thing because I'm really interested in how you can have three or four narratives but it's contained within the one space and I I think that's always been something in my work and that definitely would have fed into the painting and then also I suppose because making a work is a process so I would start while I might have images you know a lot of my I, I would rely on a sketchbook and then I would go to kind of draw that. So I kind of draw my way into the painting as in the making of it and 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 then would turn the painting or it would be on the ground and it would move around. And, and that, you know, because the paint then goes on in relatively thin layers, you know, that's kind of left evident somewhere. So maybe that also helps create some of the movement in the paint. Yeah. Like it was mad as well, like just seeing the steps along the way as well of a paint and been created because yourself, Stephen and Laura were all working kind of process based and you kind of, you'd see the paint and just evolve gradually. Like it was, it was great to see him moving along, you know, as they were going and you were working on, you usually worked on several paintings at once, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be um, a devil for trying to work just on one painting and control it to death, basically. (laughs) So, um, so you know, it's, it's that kind of, you know, the usual strategies that you set up for yourself to try and break that, you know. And also, um, it's just good practice to work on a variety of different works at once. And, and then you'll get, hopefully, a few opportunities that might come up or you'll have your car crashes. You know, it's that, it's that kind of range of, of ways of just working through paintings and trying to pull them together and 
sometimes something together will come together really quickly and then sometimes it just takes ages to try and resolve a piece of work you know yeah and then it's that, it's that thing if you put it down and go away from it and come back yeah yeah like, and i i I've said it a couple of times, like just to previous guests and that, and I think maybe we were even chatting about on the masters and that, like, and like, like process based painting is so difficult, so it is because it's not like just painting in all the detail and leaving it, like it's to try and get to that point where you're happy with it as well, like it's that's it, and you can't foresee it, you know, you can't think a painting and you can't you can plan it, you can plan to a certain degree to get you going, but it's not, or or I suppose for me. I don't set out with a uh, an idea of what I'm going to do, and and then work my way through it to get to that. It's it's a, you know I'm much more it's more open in in the process to get to where I want to be. Yeah, I think that's always kind of something that, like, say when I was working more abstractly ten years ago, and I was coming out with GMIT. I remember one at one stage I was just I didn't know what I was doing to be fair. I stopped one of the tutors in, in GMIT, Deirdre Mahoney. I, I remember saying to her, like, Deirdre, I need help. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she just, all she said was perfect and left me there. And I was like, that didn't help. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a bitter one. She <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is. Yeah, no, it's that thing of, of, uh, of there's an awful lot of unsurety and you don't know. You just don't know and you just keep going. And, you know, sometimes... I, I I listen to writers maybe talking about their process and, and and I kind of that always gives me great comfort because they go, you just have to show up at your desk and you do your thousand words a day and then you come back the next day or the next week and you might only use three words or three sentences and it's just that really, that there's no rocket science, you've got to keep going and 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 be in unsurety for a lot of the time, which is tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely adds something to it though as well, rather than having, you know, this exact sort of path to go down where it becomes almost kind of formulaic, like, yeah, you know, it's made. Yeah, and stuff happens, you know, which is, if it's formula, if formulized, you know, stuff happens as you go along and, and that's, you, you need that, you know, or certainly I, I do and, and maybe sometimes I feel my work isn't on clearly enough of a defined path. And sometimes I wish it was, but then maybe that's just part of, I, I kind of describe it to myself as a, it's, it's a kind of a pendulum that I'll go, that I work through, but all the time there is actually some kind of overall cohesion there, I hope, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, did you have, like, when you were making the work, did you, I thought, I remember you saying that you had, like, was it a sort of, there was five steps kind of from the start of the painting to when it was finished, no? Um, I could have stages. well. Um, I would probably start. I would start with, you know, I'd have maybe a, a, my phone with a shape in it from a photo, or I'd have a photo, a shape in my which which had got into my sketchbook, and I I might start by kind of drawing that out, and you know, just with um, uh, some thinned paint and and a bit of uh, and a brush and a, and a a big long stick basically draw it out loosely. Or maybe I'd first start with, um, I did start with uh, laying down spray paint and I used a squeegee for a while too, actually, to pull colour across. So it was all kind of fairly random. And then uh, over that, I'd start to map out maybe some of the forms that I was going to use and then start blocking in areas of colour. 
And I suppose what I was maybe looking for in all of that was that thing of this is familiar, but actually, and we know it, but actually we're not quite sure where it is. So there's something to do with that. So it's just, it's trying to find that edge as you work through it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say there as well, like, Jules, like the, do you remember uh, the Nemo's Pier exhibition in Palace? Was that, what year was that? Was that 2017 or? Uh, I think that could have been 2018. 18, was it? Yeah, no, I was going to say. Maybe, sorry, maybe that was 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can't remember. I was just going to say it. Oh, it was a great exhibition. Like at the work, like sat really well. You could you could see like it just looked great in Palace, but you could see like sort of how it moved had moved on a little bit as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, like it evolved again. Like, but there was kind of um, I, I thought like was a, there was kind of more windows into some of the earlier layers in that was there than there was. Yeah, I in think the previous I work. think I think it was starting. I think the um the abstract shapes were starting to fragment a little bit more and get looser, basically. And um, in some ways, I'd also like there was one painting in particular, which was called Nemo's Pier, which was a large shape, um, which was actually derived from a, a big piece of concrete that was on the pier in Westport, basically. And and I'd started to use the shape as a basis for a painting and then turn the painting on the side and then realized actually that I'd finished the painting. Deadly. So that- <laughs> <laughs> So, and I went, oh, but, but that was, um, so, and that was kind of brought me back a little bit from being very abstract to that place where it's slightly more based in the real world, but not quite. And I think that's kind of, that's been where I've been going ever since, you know, so in some ways that was kind of redialing the masters again, a little bit back more towards the work that I was making before I went in. Yeah. Because like, uh, I think it was the piece, I think it's called Pinpoint. Like that seemed like such an organic form as yeah. well, comparison to some of the other pieces as well yeah. before that. And like even in terms of just the application of the paint as well, like you had a small ledge, which had that yellow section at the bottom, but it was yeah. actual like paint drips yeah. down along yeah. as well. It was, yeah. That was really great painting. Yeah, I think it's um, it's about space really and maybe finding more space in the work and letting more space happen yeah yeah um I don't know you know um and the work's kind of shifted a little bit again so you know that just seems to be how the process goes that it's it's never it's always organic it's always shifting and moving a little bit yeah Yeah. like you um even just some of the images there that you sent me on the email or yesterday just let me see what your working on at the minute like they're really cool like and you can kind of still see the kind of connection to what you were doing before but yeah sort of like like you said kind of like kind of um yeah i don't know it's just more organic or something or it feels more like the kind of studies you sent it feels like they're more in kind of connected with sort of your environment now like as well living in rural ireland like yeah that's it um definitely because i left the masters and i was making work and then i was making the work for that palace show and then, and and I could sense that there was a shift happening, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And then a little bit after the palace show, I kind of went into a slight limbo that uh, the, the abstract shapes, I knew they were slipping away from me. And I, I couldn't, you know, I was looking at farm buildings here and angles of sheds. And I was kind of, I went through a phase of being obsessed actually with openings into big hay sheds. Um, 
and but I knew at the same time that they were kind of sliding and um I think for a little while I wasn't I was a bit on on grounded in the studio and I think you know I, I did that residency in Berlin and and while that was fantastic in some ways in other ways it came at the wrong time but and and but that you know over time what has become apparent and over time and just through actually going outside and drawing and kind of uh picking up the paintbrush because I'd stopped painting for a little bit I was just drawing picking up the paintbrush and starting to paint and I'm painting my way back into it now and it's definitely becoming about it is always my about my surroundings but it is more to do with um, my natural the natural world that's around me now yeah and like you just mentioned there the residency in Berlin like how was that because Berlin like it's an amazing place oh yeah no it was amazing it was a wonderful opportunity I think that was in 2018 so I got three months and um that was fantastic you know because it's such an amazing city and I'm here in South Carlo so you know to be off somewhere like that and to be you know immersed in your studio all day every day and to be thinking about your work and look going off then to look at galleries and going to you know shows and meeting other people and being on a there's 12 of us on the residency all together and you know people from all over the world and most a lot of people were sculptors so that was new and really interesting um so it was fantastic it was it was an amazing experience just to go off and and be in your own world like that for three months in that kind of environment and like I was saying you know in some ways I think I'd applied for that residency and it had been you know to do with buildings and architecture and place and that side of things and by the time the actual residency date actually came up and I I knew those things were slipping away from me so I kind of thought "Mm," but it, it you know, rather than, so so instead then I really focused on my drawings and my notebooks and doing that side of my research. So in some ways the parameters were reset and, and it became quite rich in another way. Yeah, because I think um, it was in, it was just after the first year of the Soil Noir Festival, uh, we were in, in, we're both in that exhibition. And I think just after that, when the show was coming down, I was chatting to you and you were saying, all right, you were getting ready to go. Like, or you'd yeah. maybe been accepted at that point and yeah. the residency was a bit further down the line. Yeah, that's it. And, and I didn't, I hadn't kind of, that, that was a kind of a surprise that, you know, you make an application and it's within a particular phase in your work and it re- relates to a particular phase in your work. And then you actually get there and you go, oh, my work shifted a little bit. So that particular phase doesn't apply quite so much anymore but you know you then have to turn it around and make it work for you in another way and it re- you know it was a really rich experience for those three months yeah 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 and it's a nice length of time as well to be there like because it gives yeah. you a chance to settle in and really yeah. you know it was a good stretch because at the time I thought maybe three months is too short or is it too long you know you wonder about these things and actually three months you know you spend a month there kind of acclimatizing and really actually does take a long time and um and then you kind of settle in and then you really start to kind of plow your furrow so um and and so three months was was a really good stretch of time actually yeah 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 you can really kind of spread yourself out and you go yeah I've got the time now to look into things whereas I think you know I was chatting to some people from other residencies and they were coming 
and from quite far away, some of them for like two weeks or for a month. And, and they were just finding it just too pressurized. So, yeah. you know, so that, that was good. So three months, six months would be good, you know? Yeah. 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 I think sometimes as well with those residencies, like, I don't think there's any real pressure on you, but it does feel like I have to have something to show for the end of this. So like, you know, something like, like you said, when they're coming from such a distance for only a couple of weeks, kind of really, it yeah. it would make you kind of a bit, little bit panicky maybe. That's it. And it's very much like I'll produce something. Whereas I really actually played around. And then at the end we did had to have a little show, but it was very, it was it was just very much put on a show and and then you you know it was really nice because it didn't have to be a huge 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 thing so you weren't making with an outcome in mind you were i certainly i wasn't i was i was kind of exploring and going down one way and down another and you know it was really rich from that point of view yeah yeah and like kind of when just before we started recording there when we were chatting like you just mentioned about residency in Westport like and you you said like there was an artist there whose studio could have been almost an installation in an exhibition like that kind of rawness to studio work is it's quite nice like it's not something you see too often in a gallery space like because it's all sort of tidied up and makes it look nice that's it there's a more kind of and I think the um the in the Glogar residency at the end, the show was very much a sense of that, that it was more um you know, it was more like just being invited into a piece of research from the viewer's point of view. And and there's something very refreshing about that because I think you, you get a more kind of unpolished but more maybe more honest and more intimate look at the work. You know, we all love looking at other people's notebooks or you know we love those moments of intimacy that we see or maybe there's a small study in a big show that's the real wow of the show and you know we love those moments and that they're quite hard to come by really in some way yeah 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 like i i, I can't remember who it was i don't think it was a sean scully exhibition but i remember there was a show down in um in visual darren carlo uh it was ages ago i'd say it was just either when we were on the masters or just after the masters and i remember in um isn't there like a small little kind of gallery room off the main yeah. gallery space? Yeah. And there was just a series of little sketches in there by the artist. And it was just like, they were, yeah. they were class. Like, they were, like obviously the, the work itself was brilliant, like, but like these sketches, it was just nice just to get that little yeah. sort of window into the yeah. artist's process. Like That's it. Little work. I think that was a, a, a Sean Scully show because I think I remember thinking the same, that the, there were small works along the wall, like small coloured watercolours and drawings. And they were, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's maybe another thing about a residency is that it's a period of work to to kind of go and, and bounce the ball a little bit, maybe, and and explore. And and yet there may have to be an outcome at the end of it, but it doesn't have to be as polished or as, you know, cohesive maybe as a show. It doesn't have that kind of pressure to it. So I think there's a lot of freedom in that and a lot of richness. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, like it's um, and then as well, like like we were learning, like, it can be easy enough to kind of feel a little bit isolated. And so, just even to be around in that kind of setting again with other artists, like around yeah. you, fairly close yeah. by, is nice as well. Yeah, I know it's fantastic. Um, and I hadn't expected how rich that would be. You know, it was. I do, I do really have a, such a clear memory of going and, um, and we're all there together, and there was um two artists from Japan and. 
was an artist from Taiwan and from the States and and everybody had stepped out of their other lives to be there and um, to immerse themselves. And it just creates this terrific energy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds class. Yeah. It's like kind of a, a mini master's but without all the master's madness for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we were saying that worked me as well. Like, the master's feels almost, felt almost more like a mentored residency than, yeah. you yeah. know, which was yeah. lovely. Because, like, it was just nice too, because the tutors, you know, they, they treated you like a professional as well. Because yeah. I, I just found at undergrad level, you were still a student, like, you know, yeah. so yeah, the it. master's was nice. And, yeah. um, but, like, I, I was thinking about the Masters since, like, as well. And it's like, I can't tell if all oh, that pressure that came at the end of it was more just sort of self-inflicted that we were kind of causing ourselves to worry more than we needed to, or if, you know, because it all worked out fine in the wind-up, like, you know, and yeah. the show went well. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe that's just, uh, I I think, yeah, no, I think it is, I think the Masters is a bit of a pressure zone, you know, for those two years in some ways. Um, and it has to be, and it kind of needs to be in some ways. And it, it, um, it that's a good learning curve, you know. But uh, but it, it is very intense period, I think, in your masters for some reason. I don't quite know why. Um, yeah, I, with that said, I would go back. I I do it again in the morning, so I would if I could. Like, you know, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah, I I don't know if I would, but it's the, you know, but it's the opportunity. You no, know, it's the opportunity just to, to really immerse yourself in your in your work for those two years. So amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we, we a good group as well. Like the yeah. the first and the second year masters and the yeah. year ahead of us were were sound too. Like, but yeah. I did. Uh, like at first, I was a little bit uncertain about remember when we were in second year and we were working off campus and it was kind of like i'd like to be in on the ncid campus but yeah just the first and second years just having our own building was actually kind of nice like i, I really enjoyed it after so i did yeah yeah no i i think there's a kind of um yeah no that's there's a good dynamic to that i think that there is a, a bit of separation is no harm yeah yeah, yeah. So the next the next step on the ladder somehow yeah and it kind of, I suppose, it made it feel more like it was a studio building as well, rather than yeah, just, you know, that's college, it. like, you know, it give you a better sort of feel of what it'd be like, I suppose, to have. It's a kind of, a, a, yeah, exactly. It's a, an extension, maybe, or a precursor to what is to come when we're in studio groups. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the last couple of years there, Jules, you've been working on kind of uh, social engaged projects then in Carlo. Yeah. Um, so what what did that involve? Um, well, I've always um, done. I've always worked with people, and and I did for my my undergrad was kind of a there was the painting, and I was um, involved in a family resource centre project with older men, and and the painting and the family resource centre older men project they kind of fed off each other, and and I um, and I didn't when I was doing the masters I just focused on the painting and put down the collaborative work for a while but then I went back to it because there's something about it I've always enjoyed working with people and there's something about that kind of synergy between the studio practice and then a more public work and that for me and then um kind of opportunity came up for a variety of reasons to do some to, to to run a project uh, funded by Creative Ireland um, with the support of Carlo Arts Office. In um, there's a small raised bog in Carlo that I'm involved in. Uh, there's a conservation group who are 
trying to preserve it. And I, I'd kind of become involved in that as an aside, kind of privately. And then through one thing and another, the chance came up to 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 run an eco-social arts practice project there. So I've been doing that really in some form or other for the last two to three years. And it's kind of has been fairly ongoing. It stopped and started because of COVID, but it's um so it's to do with the bog and raising its profile, but also conservation and wider uh context. But uh it's I suppose it's through art practices that um we're kind of broaching issues of biodiversity loss and habitat and also engaging with the community and people who live in the area and uh working through possibilities for the bogs conservation with them raising awareness that, yeah that sort of territory yeah 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 no that's cool because i remember seeing um images on your social media of the trackway project which yeah. you've you've also worked like on the banner project was that that was the same yeah, that that hasn't actually come off yet. We we I ran we ran a project in the three primary schools called on Frocken, which was just around the bog itself, and it was it was very much to do with the children uh, visiting the bog and um, and you know the art projects that came out of that and um, a community exhibition, and then the next phase of that that was in two thousand and nineteen. And then there was a second phase of that. There's a local composer, um, Carol Nelson, and she's also taking elements from the the On Frocken project and she's composed a song which is going to be performed with the children from the schools when COVID allows us in some form. And then the second, the the next phase of that really is, um, and this is where it becomes an eco-social art collaboration really because uh, we're going to run um project on the bog which is working with paleo archaeologists from ucc and they're going to come up and take pollen samples which go back thousands of years and um that they can read these pollen samples like a book so um uh that will tell us what the climate was like back then what sort of farming practices were going on what sort of plants were growing in the area um that sort of thing and then um, we're going to work with them. We'll take some of those visual images and work with uh, a community in Bagnallstown. It's a centre for adults with intellectual disability, disabilities to make um, some banners and with the idea of the bog needs a voice. So we're going to somehow, through the banners, give the bog a voice with, and include Carol's song in this. Um, it's, it's a good opportunity to it supports things like community resilience because uh by bringing different groups together on the bog with different knowledges and interests you know the hope is that the bog becomes this kind of holding place for new experiences and ways of being basically to happen in small ways that's really cool because like, like um like the bogs are kind of fairly under threat at the minute anyway aren't they like yeah. i think they're in like Abeliques, like which isn't too far either from Carlo. Like there does be a lot of uh, work going on yes. in the bog there to try and conserve it and yes. sort of um, just I suppose keep it from being destroyed completely. Like that's it. Yes, there's a big um, there's a wide. It's this is part of a wider national and international conservation movement, um, 
which is partially peatlands and wetlands. Um, so it dials very much from the local and very local out to the much bigger um, issues because peatlands are um, well functioning. Peatland is an excellent carbon sink. And um, it will, so there's a lot there about carbon storage, but you're also getting into uh, water regulation because peat acts as a giant sponge because it's formed by this amazing moss called sphagnum. So it, bogs will actually regulate the water table in the landscape around them. They, they suck it up. Previously, we used to drain bogs because we thought they were a nuisance, but they actually will hold a lot of water. And you're also getting into issues of water quality. And then aside from all of that, because on the whole, peatlands are fairly kind of wild, abandoned places. They're also uh, critical um, wildlife habitats. They support a very diverse and, and special. They have their own unique flora and fauna, but they also are a sanctuary for, for lots of other elements of wildlife that have been, uh, our biodiversity has been so hammered over the last 25 years. Yeah. So there's think, all sorts of reasons why peatlands are now across the world are being, uh, tr- people are trying to, to conserve them. Yeah, because like, I think like worth the saying as well, like that, you know, like obviously they're probably still getting damaged, but like say when they started bringing in the huge machinery to start cutting turf, that's when the peatlands really started to suffer. Like That's it. There's, there's, there's a far cry. You know, I grew up in the west of Ireland and there's a far cry from people out on a bank cutting turf. Uh, and the work that's involved in that to machines coming in and stripping thousands of hectares, you know, and, and, and a, a, a raised bog is a, it's a, it can take seven to 10,000 years to grow. And if it's, if it's still in good condition, it'll, it's still a growing living organism. Yeah. So, you know, and it, and it's intact. There's, you know, they're not, um, our farming landscape, we've changed and, moved around you know there's it's very much a man-made environment really at the end of the day whereas even even the depleted bogs a, a, a bogland habitat has been the same as it has been for a very long time yeah you know so they kind of predate us and i think they they provoke that sort of i think we we subconsciously know that actually when you go to visit a bog people form very strong emotional connections to peatlands who live close to them um yeah. so yeah no i was just going to say it'd be really interesting like to hear the results of those findings as well when the the people come from where did they come yeah. from sorry Jules, from you they're coming from ucc ucc yeah it'd be yeah. really cool like to yeah. hear the findings yeah. of what the, what the research like you know shows up like yeah no it's really interesting and and again you know if if we if we you know our, our plan was to have an open day where um, anyone can come along and anyone can take a peat sample and then it's you know then if you know it's, it's like if you if if people spend time with each other and chat and we share stories and knowledges you know I think that's a great way of also kind of supporting a little bit of community resilience and um connections and it makes just for a richer environment around us you know so there's a lot to do with that um so if 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 the paleoarchaeologists come up and we we work with them and we were also going to work with a wood um a wood and he was going to come and um 
we were going to make a, a little platform, for want of another word, a kind of a 10-metre strip kind of replica of some of the ancient bog roads that have been found in some of the great Midland bogs. And um, again, we were going to work with some members of the local community on this. And again, it's just about building relationships and um, talking about conservation as well at the same time. So, Yeah, nice class, Jules. And just there on Frocken as well, just you mentioned, is that... Was that is that available as a as a an ebook? Uh, it is, yeah. It's is. on um, it's on the Drum and Bog Project website. Uh, so, uh, because we produced um, from the project, we put together a publication which um, has an essay by another local South Carlo artist, Kathy Fitzgerald, um, and it's her. Uh, she, she it's her really her eco social art theories which have kind of supported on Frocken and a lot of my current work really we, we've collaborated together and it's 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 just great to have Kathy's theoretical conversations as uh, support to what we're trying to do on Drum and Bog because yeah. it somehow anchors it in both practical and theoretical and that's a really nice kind of synergy. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, I, I can put in a link into Unfrocken on the Acast yeah. uh, description as yeah. well. So Yeah, I'll, I'll send that to you, Pat. Deadly, yeah. yeah. Um, you're also involved, Jules, with the Nine Stones Artists Collective, aren't you, as well? Yeah, that's um, that's another that's another um, a local group which came out of the, you know, living in rural Ireland. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, we're all... We're we're here trucking away, and and it's brilliant because we we we've all, you know, come to this area maybe over the last twenty, thirty years. Some 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 of the group have have kind of grown up here, but you know, and we all we all work from home, and we're lucky enough to have our own workspaces at home because you can kind of do that when you're living in rural Ireland. You can have a shed out the back fairly easily, but. Yeah. Um, the downside to that is that you you tend to be working away on your own all the time, and it's not like being part of you know we have this vision that in Dublin all the <laughs> you know the studio groups which are really dynamic and there's loads of action and chat and coffee breaks going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, in more urban settings, but anyway, so it came out of just being you know kind of a, a need to support each other and have some chats about what we're making and what we're doing, and then. We formed a, a loose group, I think it could be 12 years ago now, and we called it Nine Stones Artists. You know, there happens to be nine of us in it, but it's because not, the Nine Stones is, is, a, is a kind of a core landmark on Mount Leinster, and, and we can all see Mount Leinster it's from our kitchen windows. So it's very much grounded in something that's real in the landscape, and most of us, although our practices are all very diverse, um, somehow... There's a kind of a vein that runs through us all. So we, I suppose we formed initially loosely just for a bit of support and chat. And then we thought we would run an exhibition, and um, which we've always done uh, in kind of local buildings by coincidence that seem to have some significance just in the area. You know, um, we showed in, in a... A building on, on the street here in Burris, which was was a 
was empty at the, had been empty for many years, but it happened to be the house that the local schoolmaster had lived in for a while. So, so again, it's those links with the community and the area which are kind of nice. So when we when we put our installation into the the old schoolhouse, you know, many as many people or more came in because they had had connections to its history when the schoolmaster lived there, you know, and there's something very nice and grounding about work and artwork, making that kind of connection and being in a place that has other relationships with the people who live there. Yeah, definitely. Like, and like you're saying like as well, like just even being part of a collective, it's, it's really nice because like like we were saying even there just before we started recording, like when you're a painter or an artist, really, it, it can be a lonely enough occupation. So it's nice to kind of have that sort of circle around you. Like. That's it. That's it. And we, we actually, I mean, we never, we don't, we might not see each other for months and months and months. So um, because we're all, everyone is busy and they're, you know, they're living their lives and making their practices. But there's times then when we would, you know, certain members would connect because they're sharing tools or there's a particular, you know, there's particular reasons why people would kind of get together. And and then for a while, you know, we were showing roughly every two years and we kind of would come, a show would come together, not in a curated way, but just a kind of very holistic way. And, and they always worked. And then more latterly, we, this is aside from COVID or pre-COVID, we, we kind of changed the angle of that. And we thought, well, we've got skills within the group and, um, um, as a way of cohesiveness for the group, maybe to share those skills. So, for example, Anthony Little ran a, um, a kind of a two-day um, wood printing workshop with us, just the nine of us, and um, and it's it's a real again. It goes back to what we were saying earlier, past you know about maybe the the rawness or the intimacy of someone's work you know it was a really nice opportunity to spend time learning a new skill in in that kind of setting from somebody who uses it he uses wood prints and makes these enormous wood blocks in his practice and um we while we know them you know when you actually are shown the tools and you have to work with them yourself it gives you a whole new insight and then it was out of that that we Carlo um arts office has been very supportive and and they um we applied for some grant money and we made a, a book we, we combined the prints that we made into an artist's book which went on show and visual two years ago now i think yeah so and that also gave us the opportunity to work with um um uh, a book binder who 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 lives down near uh, wexford you know so again it's making links and connections outside of our usual routines which is is so important yeah i was actually going to ask you about that book jules as well because i remember you mentioning it um was it two two or three years ago was that part of the 10-year anniversary yeah, of the collective right. yeah, it was, yeah. yeah 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 no because i i just i remember like we went down to carlo to see the show and it's just it was mel i couldn't remember when it was because just the way things are yeah. gone like like yeah. we're saying like time has just lost all yes. meaning yes. um but no, that's very cool. And have you those wood prints or is the book available online? Um, I don't think the book is because it was, uh, we made three copies and one oh, okay. has gone into Nival, um up there on Thomas Street. And uh, because the, the Kira Healy Musson, she's, um, she's the artist we worked with. And uh, it was basically, she made a big, 
the book is quite big. It's about 20 inches by 18. And she made a very long, continuous concertina piece of paper and then installed two wood prints, which are in Japanese light paper, you know, on the in it within the book. So uh, there would be maybe some copy, some photos of it um, online or right through visual or the Nine Stone Artist site. Yeah. Cool, yeah, yeah, no, because I'd love to see the wood prints. Like, I, I didn't actually get to see the work, but I remember you chatting about it, like, and you were really enjoying the process, like, as well, weren't you? Of yeah. making, of carving the yeah. blocks. And yeah, that. well, the, the um, again, it's a very tactile. You know, the 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 wood blocks are very; they're only about five mil thick on birch ply, and they're yeah. really finely grained. And then there's the beauty of the tools, and of course, you're stepping back into serious history <laughs> if it's. Yeah, yeah. Prints, you know and and then the japanese paper is very specific and we experimented with different kinds and it's very light and how it absorbs the ink you know printing would be one of my um you know i would have i would have done printing as well you know further back in my practice so you know there's something and and there's something very uh step by step by step about it which is which is very beautiful you know and they have a beautiful quality to them and also, again, it's that thing of we're all quite different as a group, but actually, and our work is different, but it somehow seems to there's lines which run between us all, which appear when we make the work. Yeah, no, that's really cool because like, like I love print making, but I've never actually really given it a proper yeah. shot myself. Like, does is the lighter papers are they usually better for taking the ink? Is it or is it that you don't have to? Uh, we didn't. Ha- you don't have to. We didn't. Ha- we didn't have to run them through a press. Okay, you were able to just yeah. use the. Uh... Yeah, so you could just um, you could ink up your wood block once you've you've made your marks on it, and then you just lay the paper down on top, and you can just roll it, and that's right. sufficient for it to pick up the ink. Um, but they also, in their own right, you, you know, I I I wouldn't know it so much, but you know, there's a huge reservoir of knowledge and um, methodology to those japanese papers and how they're made yeah yeah no it's um it's something that i always love to kind of just try out at some stage but um yeah it would really suit your um be interesting to see what what you what you would do pat you know with your your line drawings you know yeah i don't know i i um i did pick up some of the little uh wooden blocks there i think i got them off of actually where i got them now but uh, I haven't used them yet, and the temptation was there one day. Will I just put gesso on them and paint on them? Yeah, <laughs> just ruin them completely. Yeah, yeah, they would make uh, nice little sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're lovely as well. Like yeah. they're because they're just like they're perfectly level. Like there's no warp no, or anything. Like you know, so things and the, and the grain is um, you know that they know they have a beautiful quality to them. Very specific. Yeah. 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 Um. Just in terms of exhibitions and shows then, Jules, did you have any shows or residencies or anything cancelled or postponed because of COVID? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, uh, I no, no, no painting work or resi- nothing through on that side of my practice. The, the socially engaged side definitely uh, last year put the complete stop to everything. Um, so, and, and to a degree it has up to now but actually it's getting going again now the socially engaged side because I think we're all finding ways of being creative with our laptop screens and zoom and yeah. you know uh 
also as we move back into the finer weather and, and things are starting to move a little bit, you know, there certainly will be opportunities to, to work outside with people later on in this year, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's funny, like, how, do you know how digital media has kind of, like, become so important? That's, like, it. To, That's it. But in some ways... You know, it's 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 making it's making. I've got to rethink some of my projects, but but that's in some ways that's no harm because we just come at it from another angle. But I think what it's going to do actually is when we do meet up, we'll be meeting up in much smaller gro- groups and in much more kind of uh, intimate ways, which will be nice. And we'll be you know doing work which will just be work happening in a different kind of way. And and actually, I'm feeling really positive about it. And I should, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I've been reading a few articles there even, um, you know, like just about like people and just saying how much like they miss art, being able to go to exhibitions yeah. and that like, and it's just, I wouldn't have been great to go to exhibition openings, but just to be able to go in and see yeah. an exhibition and see what someone is doing yeah. is, it is something to kind of miss. So I'm looking forward to that, being able to get yeah. back into galleries and stuff. Yeah, no, like. I agree. I think that's the, I mean, nothing can ever re- replace looking at work in the flesh standing there in front of it or beside it or near it you know so I would agree I, th- I think that actually is 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 kind of you know there's many losses but that's definitely one of them that, that we all have yeah. been absorbing yeah yeah because even like when we were sitting there like when you uh, saw Fiona Ray's exhibition like in Germany like and I've never seen her work in the flesh, but it's just, it's not the same scene yeah. as on screen or in a book as it is being in, in the gallery space there in front that's of it. Like it, That's it. So, you know, absolutely. That's it. You, nothing beats that actual experience of standing there in front of it. Yeah. 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 Um, so I just have one other question then, Jules, and that is where can people find you online? Okay. So um, my website is uh, julesmichael.com. And um, uh, so that's that. Uh, the Nine Stones, Nine Stones artists also have a website. Uh, so that will be there on the internet. And then the Drum and Bog Project also has a website, and uh, that's there too. So yeah, yeah. So those Deadly. three sites probably would be the best. Deadly. Well, I'll be able to put a link into Acast um, that'll like in the description, so people can just click on that and go straight on to those sites. And uh, like, I'll get you back on at some stage, Jules. But I was just saying there as well, like back, I said to a few people for said, you know, certain maybe milestone episodes, like you know, like episode maybe twenty five. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. it's still going. I'm going to get the uh, three tutors that I would have had in that leaks on. So, like, I'd love to maybe get the nine stone artists yeah. or some yeah. of some of them on as a group as a collective yeah. for. Especially at some stage yeah, as well. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like even just have them on individually as well if they were on yeah. for it as well at some yeah. point. But yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks a million for that, well, Jules. Thank uh, thanks for taking the time to chat. Great to chat. Great to chat. And best of luck and uh, congratulations on all your hard work. I don't know. Just <laughs> chatting. It's grand. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, thank you. Thanks. Well, everyone. That was Jules Michael. I just want to say a massive thanks to Jules for taking the time to chat with me on the podcast today. And if you want to see her work online, you can do so at julesmichael.com. And she's also on Instagram as well. Um, I'll post a link to those projects, the Drum and Bog project and on Frocken 
and I'll also post a link to the Nine Stone Artists website and Jules' website there in the ACAST description. So thanks a million again to Jules for chatting with me on the podcast. Um, if you want to follow the podcast online on social media, it's at Bit of Gallery on Facebook and Twitter. And yeah, if you want to leave a review or a follow or subscription, whatever way it works on whatever platform you listen to it on, Dabby Savage as well. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another guest. Mm-hmm.